0: On, Good morning. We've had such an enriching time already this morning. Uh, learned a lot of things on a lot of levels, thinking about the children and serving them. Really appreciated what Victor and Lisa had to say on that. And all those that serve our kids, and uh, uh, not only do they have an impact on the kids, but the kids have an impact on them. That's, that's really a wonderful thing. And Roland just taking us through an 18-year journey in his life that yeah. is, of course, still unfolding, but just the events of Monday. And we all have things that we're praying for in our lives yeah. that are not uh, pray today and the answer comes tomorrow. They're, they're longer term than that. And it builds up our faith just to think about God Here's that, He's aware, and He's working, and we have those aches in our hearts, don't we? Those, yeah, those yeah. things that are not yet resolved and they're still in play yeah. and God's aware of that yeah. and we appreciate uh, Roland uh, connecting us with that and the power of prayer and uh, Jesus uh, before the cross, uh, his, his prayers. We're going to look at uh, a time in the life of Jesus that was very heartfelt uh, in Mark chapter 8. I want to invite you to open up your Bibles to there. Mark chapter 8, and we're going to start reading in a moment in verse 27. Perhaps you've heard this sometime, Uh, somebody prefaces something to you by saying, now, don't take this personally, but what were you thinking? Or, don't take this personally, but why did you choose to wear that? Or, don't take this personally, but who does your hair? Or, don't take this personally, but why did you go there? Or whatever, you know. And I've had it happen in my life. And it's funny because whenever somebody says, don't take this personally, it's hard for me because I take almost everything in my life personally. You know, it's just how I am. And we're actually all like that. Yeah. Really, it's almost always personal. Yeah. Because that's... That's how we live and that's how we experience yeah. life. And, and it is possible to to put a filter on there and just uh, to be kind of cold and clinical and analytical about life. But uh, that's, that's not necessarily the richest and most full way to live our life. Yeah. Right. And so we're going to be looking at something, uh, uh, actually a series of interchanges, interchanges between Jesus and His close followers that we're going to see was something that was quite personal for Jesus and also for His followers. So we will start reading in verse 27. Let's pray before we read God's Word. Father, we're grateful to have this time of worship. The songs that we sing, uh, the taking of communion and even just the ideas and the thoughts that we interact with here in this setting. And Father, thank you that we have a time and a place to to pull away from the busyness of life and to center in on you, on our relationship with you, on our spiritual life and our friendships with those around us in our family of faith who help us and strengthen us along the way. And we are thinking about Roland and uh, the conversation that he wants to have today with his brother. And we pray that you'll bless that and that that will go well. And we're all thinking about family members and uh, dear ones in our lives and conversations that we'd like to have with them because we're concerned about their souls. We're concerned about where they are in their lives. And we pray you'd, you'd open up doors and you'd bless that. And Father, we're also aware that there are conversations that You want to have with us. And that You want to reach us through Your Word and by Your Spirit. And we pray that, that right now, this moment could be one of those times for each of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Alright, verse 27. Jesus and His disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, He asked them, Who do people say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, Others say Elijah, Still others, one of the prophets. What about you? He asked, Who do you say I am? Peter answered, You are the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about Him. All right, now the setting of this interaction, a very important interaction, a really monumental interaction between Jesus and his close followers, is they're uh, approaching the, the villages around Caesarea Philippi. And if you just looked at a map of Israel, down in the, the southern part is the hub of really everything, not only of political power, but even of what was going on in the faith, the temple and all that down here in Jerusalem. Now where Jesus did a lot of his ministry was farther up north around the Sea of Galilee and the little villages that were in that area there. A lot of what he did, miracles and teaching and all that, was in that area. But what he's doing here is he's going even farther north, about the farthest north that he would go in his ministry. And it's like he's getting away, certainly away from Jerusalem, and all the thought processes that, that were going on there and activities going on there. But even beyond, the, around the Sea of Galilee and, and the ministry work that he was doing there. He's getting away. He's getting out there. And it's in this setting that he wants to have this conversation with his close followers. And it's summer. You know, It's, it's like the first part of June. And one, just right away, get right to it, practical that I want to encourage us. I don't know if you're much of a nature person, if you like getting out and feeling the sand in your toes, and the the surf blowing through your hair or not. I don't know if you like the mountains and being up at altitude and getting the, the view and getting away from the noise and getting up into the clear air. I know most of us in L.A., we don't trust air that we can't see, right? We're just a little suspicious of that. But, but, but I want to encourage you to, to, to look at what Jesus does here and what He did often. And that was He would pull away. And he would get away to be able to do things, to have conversations and to accomplish things that he felt could be best accomplished in those pull-away, remote, even isolated and certainly different circumstances than would normally be in. And summer can be a great time. If you have families, the kids are out of school. And so you can, you can you know, work with that schedule a little bit more. But to have a breakthrough time in your relationship with God. And to be able to perhaps put yourself in a setting where God could speak to you. And to speak to you on a heart level and maybe ask you questions that He's been wanting to ask you. But you're too busy and you're running at too much of a fever pace to to be able to even hear what the question might be. To, To get this. There's conversations, ongoing conversations, that God wants to have with us. But to have those... Sometimes we we just need to get away from it all. And that's what they're doing here. And so he starts out with really a uh, non-threatening, just kind of casual, hey, what are you thinking? Kind of what's going on out there? What are people saying about me? Who do people say I am? And, you know, there were opinions Well, there's John the Baptist, there's Elijah, uh, there's one of the prophets. Now, all these people would have been people that would have had to come back from the dead. So that's telling us something right now about what people thought about Jesus. They knew. I mean, the crowds out there knew that Jesus was someone unlike and could not be explained by the normal course of human explanations. There was a uniqueness about Him and a difference about Him. And so the way they tried to understand it was, maybe one of these powerful spiritual people that has come back from the dead. Interesting. But that's what's going on about there. Do you know, I, I did it last night. If you Google, who is Jesus... As of last night, and it changes, because I've done this several times, but 400 and, let's see, 424 million options. I didn't look at all of them. But, but that's just what comes up on Google, and you know how it is sometimes when you look at what, how many are going on in, in a particular conversation line or topic line, 424 million. there are a lot of opinions out there about who Jesus is. That hasn't changed. And it's still going on now. And so there were opinions out there. And not a bad thing for us to know that. What's going on? What are people saying out there? Not a bad thing for us to, to know because we do get influenced by it. We may get influenced by it by just being more on the defensive for certain things. Right. But we also need to know about it because we'd like to have conversations with people about Jesus and it'd be good to know just what's going on. One of the really powerful things that we have to appreciate, we as Christians, we as believers in and followers of the Bible, is to realize that a, really a generation is, is now in place that does not accept, hey, just because the Bible says it. Well, you know, it says in the Bible, or it says over here in this Scripture, that doesn't necessarily carry weight or authority or influence in our society today. And one of the powerful things that we can do in that, given that that's going on out there, is more and more, not just say, hey, here's what the Bible says, but to actually be able to communicate how what the Bible says works in everyday life. Because people are interested in what works. If it works, if it's effective, if it will help in some area of life, that will get people's attention. And so one of the things that we need to do is be a little bit more mindful if we want to be more effective with our neighbors and co-workers and friends is to be able to talk not just about, hey, here's what a Bible verse says, but actually here's how what this particular verse says, working out in your daily life can help can have an impact, can make a difference. Alright, so there's what's going on out there. And there's, there's several Jesuses that I'd like you to think about that are kind of thought about out there. This is kind of our society's version of, well, maybe John the Baptist or one of the prophets. There is, there is Republican Jesus. <laughs> Republican Jesus is invoked by people, people who basically want to say, we need to stand for family values here. Right? And, you know, Republican Jesus is invoked on that. But there's also Democrat Jesus. Yeah. Democrat Jesus is invoked when, when people want to talk about, hey, you know, we need to be concerned about those who are marginalized by society, who those are, are, are shoved out on the edge and the fringe and are disadvantaged, and so the Democrat Jesus is invoked to talk about that. Both of those concepts are are not bad ideas, right? And then there is Starbucks Jesus, <laughs> and Starbucks Jesus is you know just the Jesus that just kind of will hang out in you know those nice, ambient, comfortable settings. And, you know, he'll just talk in non-threatening ways, non-offensive ways about spiritual things. And he'll leave you with just always kind of a warm, fuzzy feeling, whatever the topic may be. You know, it's just, it's just kind of okay, right? right. And, and then there's, there's uh, what shall we say? We'll say nice sayings, Jesus, uh, on greeting cards. And and maybe maybe on Christmas specials, and it's the idea of being able to somehow you know uh, invoke his words, and you're just going to be a better person, you know, and you're you know you're you're okay where where you are, and then and then there's also um, what we call therapist Jesus, and you know it's it's not that we don't have things in our lives that don't need to be worked out, because we do. We have scars, we have wounds, we have hurts. But but therapist Jesus is just kind of prescribed, you know, without maybe really dealing with the roots of stuff, let's just kind of, let's just kind of talk about it, and we'll just pronounce a, a kind of pleasant saying over it, and everything will be okay. These are all uh, very, very comfortable Jesuses that, that are talked about in the world around us. And so this is going on, and this is the kind of conversation they're having, but then in verse 29, Jesus takes the conversation in a completely different direction now. He says, but what about you? What about you? Who do you say I am? Now, a couple things about this question. One is that He's going from what is general to what is penetratingly personal. Now, he's making it personal. And there are some relationships that we're in in life that sooner or later get personal. We're going along, we're going along, we're going along. And now a decision has got to be made about who this person is in our life. I remember when it was that way in, with me and my relationship with a, a young lady named Renee Anderson. We had broken up. We had been dating steady, and then we had broken up. And we were kind of on the outs. And we had a church-wide social roller skating event. This is what our church did for hot times in those days. All right? We went roller skating. And she was out in the roller rink, and she was skating with Donnie McLaughlin. Oh! Donnie McLaughlin. And... I saw my future skating away oh. skating away, away from me. And it was at a, that moment that I had to decide who is this person, who is she to me, and, and who's she going to be, you know in my life going forward? And, right. and thankfully, you know, uh, we were able to wrestle her away from the arms of. Donnie McLaughlin at that time. <laughs> and the rest is history. We have relationships like that. Certain relationships, they, they, just, they just come to that point, And this is where Jesus is wanting to take the conversation. Now what's, what else is interesting here is that they had been followers. It wasn't like this was just some moment. They had been followers. They had seen a lot. They had heard a lot. They had experienced a lot with Him. And all, now all of that, that foundation, that background, that has all been laid. And now He pulls them away. And now He asks them, Okay, you've seen all this. Now what? Now, who do you say I am? And wherever we are in our relationship, however long we've had, an active disciple-like relationship with Jesus if we're just starting or we've been at it for years and years and years. We've got to be willing, as the Lord will initiate in our life, to answer that question. Even today, even this week, even sometime if you get away this summer, who is Jesus? And who is Jesus to me? Now, those are two separate questions because there's who is Jesus and that just is. Whether I like it or not, there is the answer to the question who is Jesus? And it's a fact and it's a reality and it's an absolute truth. Who He is. And we're going to talk about that. But there's also my interaction with that. With that reality, with that truth, with that absolute. There's also my interaction with that And the relationship that I have personally with him. And so they were hanging out with him. But he wanted to take it very, very personally. Now, okay, now who am I to you? Who do you say I am? And Peter answers, you're the Messiah. Now that word, Messiah, could be translated Christ. It is anointed one. And in the history of the Jewish people, there were different people who were anointed. Priests were anointed and called into their unique service of of God serving God and serving the people and representing the people with God. Prophets were anointed. Prophets were anointed and given a special ministry of proclaiming God's message to God's people, whether they liked it or not, whether it felt good to them or not. They were anointed and set apart to proclaim that message and be true and honest and direct and straightforward about God's message to them that He wanted to get to the people. Prophets were anointed. And kings were anointed. They were anointed to be in positions of authority and to lead and to protect and to govern and to uh, lead God's people into blessings and into good fortune. Yeah. That was all part of, of who would be anointed. And there was, at this time, a concept that somebody would come that would be all of that. A promised anointed one, a promised anointed Savior. And especially at this time it was poignant because they were occupied and oppressed, sometimes ruthlessly, by the Romans. And they envisioned the coming of an anointed one, a Christ, a Messiah, who would deliver them, who would be a powerful, king-like, warrior-like, liberator and defender, and would reinstitute the golden years of the the reign of, of King David and his line. And so, that's what they were thinking. And so, when Peter says, you're the Messiah, you're the Christ, that's the backdrop of his confession. And that's why Jesus then says in verse 30, Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about Him. Because what Peter was thinking at that moment, although he got it right... You're the Messiah. He got that part right. His understanding of that needed to grow. He needed to make progress in the revelation of God to Him about who Jesus was. Are you open to needing that in your life? Are you open to the fact that there is who Jesus is? That's not going to change. But there's also who Jesus is to you. And would you be open to the fact that your faith could grow? That where you've arrived, what I've accomplished or achieved in terms of my understanding, is not all there is to know and experience in who Jesus is. That can get you excited about having a quiet time tomorrow morning. That can get you excited about the next time you read your Bible. And so, what happens next? Verse 31 He began to teach them. And this is great. Because if we want to have a deeper than we have right now, a more powerful, a more lived out and experienced in our life, understanding of who Jesus is, it would probably be good for us to explore His teaching. And this was important that they get out of what the crowds were saying and they get into what He was actually teaching. And the more we can do that in our life given a beginner or giving a a long-timer at it, is to go back to His teaching. We see, we experience, we encounter the real Jesus, the Jesus that is never changing, that Jesus. We experience Him in His teaching. He began to teach them. And we need to let Him once again in a fresh way begin to teach us. Well, what did He teach them here? He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that He must be killed. Now at this point, you've got to understand, that's all they heard. They did not hear the, and after three days, rise again. They they really didn't hear that part of it. Because everything that He said up to now was directly against everything that they thought. They thought that the Messiah, the Anointed One, would come and He would rally all these people, elders, chief priests, teachers of the law, that they would all rally around them and unite the nation, and the nation would rise up. That's, that's what they pictured. So the fact that He's going to be rejected by all these people was, was really against the grain. Right. And what we're going to see is it was, it was really hard for them to change their thinking. It was hard for them to shift gears on this. But he did also say and after 3 days rise again. He spoke plainly about this. Now here's what happens. He's teaching them and he wants to take their understanding of him and their relationship with him in a new direction and to a deeper level. And here's the response. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, Peter, can't we just have a nice conversation about this? Why did you go in all rebuke mode here? I'll tell you why. Because it's about Peter's faith and it's personal. Yeah. That's why. Right. Peter had, had given up everything. He was following Jesus. Yes. And now Jesus is wanting to take his understanding of who he is in a completely different direction. And it was... It was earth-shattering. It was offensive. And so to the very teacher that, it, that is explaining who he is, Peter says, no, you're wrong. That's not who you are. Imagine the audacity of that. <laughs> really, I mean, think about him doing this. But the fact was, it tells us how deeply it cut. Right. And how deeply it challenged Peter... On his understanding. When was the last time you had a quiet time like that? When was the last time you had a Bible study like that? Or when was the last time you had a spiritual conversation with a friend like that? That really rocked you. That really challenged you. That called you to think in a different way. Because that's the kind of conversation that's going on here. And we appreciate Peter. He helps us because we all have these kind of responses so great that he had them because it's written about right there for us. He took him aside and he began to rebuke him. There is a Jesus, the true Jesus, the real Jesus, the Jesus that we find in his teaching that sometimes will rock us to our core and shake us. And the idea is to, that's good, to shake us out of maybe a complacency, maybe a uh, lukewarmness, or maybe just a downright misunderstanding of who He is. Because that's what they needed. They needed to be shaken out of this misunderstanding, All right. Now, it's personal for Peter. What do you think? Do you think it's personal for Jesus, this conversation? What do you think? Let's look at His response. But when Jesus turned and looked at His disciples... He rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> what a what an intense encounter. And sometimes we just need to have those kind of intense, and maybe not every day, that would wear us out, that would get tough. <laughs> yeah. but, maybe, but maybe, honestly, it's been a while since we've had right. that kind of an encounter with the Lord, yeah. or allowing the Lord to take us into that kind of an encounter, yep. that could really put us in a different place and our relationship with Him and our understanding of Him because really that's where it all comes from. Ultimately, it's all going to come from our understanding of who Jesus is. The more we get that right, the more right we're going to be in our life and the more right we're going to be as a church too, by the way. amen. The more we get Jesus right, the more the other things are going to fit into place. And the more we stray from that, the more off we are on that, the more off everything else is going to be in our personal life, in our marriage, in our parenting, and in our relationship in a community of faith as well. So, get behind me, Satan. Wow. Intense. It is... Personal, And it's a a spiritual battle going on. And Jesus really is fighting. He's fighting for Peter's soul. But you know, He looks at the disciples and we see that in this setting He's also fighting for the very character of the church that He was building and forming through this small group of people. And what it came down to was this bottom line motivational issue and value structure, you have in mind human concerns. I want you to have in mind the concerns of God. Amen. We're going to miss Jesus. I'm going to miss Him. You're going to miss Him to the degree that I fit Jesus into trying to be about my human concerns. I'm going to miss Him to that degree. And you know, what? that's all the time. Yeah. I all the time want to do that. Yeah. I like, did I tell you about Touchdown Jesus? I didn't. I missed Touchdown Jesus. Touchdown Jesus, there at the University of Notre Dame, there's this iconic picture of Jesus. And, he's, and it looks like, you know, he's signaling a touchdown. Now probably the people that, that did that were actually, they were just wanting to give an image of Jesus blessing the people. But he's there at the end zone and so the concept is Jesus bless our athletes. Jesus help us to throw passes in the throw blocks and to run the ball in such a way that we'll beat the other team. Jesus bless us. And that's kind of our culture. You know, we like touchdown Jesus. We want, we want him to, to bless our prayers for our team and, 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 and something that we want to do in our life. We want Him to bless that. And and it's not that God doesn't want to bless us because He does want to bless us. And He does want to enrich our life. But first things first. Human concerns or the concerns of God. That's what's being battled for here. And Jesus wanted to get that down as a foundation for understanding who He was. And so, in verse 34, we read on. Then He called the crowd... "...to him along with his disciples, and he said..." And this is interesting. He's had this this small, intimate interaction with his disciples and this intense personal interchange with Peter. And now he opens it up. He opens up the discussion. And this this is for everybody to hear. "...he called the crowd along with his disciples, and he said, "...whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me." Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? We'll stop there. We encounter the real Jesus in His teachings. And yeah, we know this. We also encounter most personally the real Jesus at the cross. And that was the message. And so they don't m- miss it, he makes it personal. Take up their cross, deny themselves. It's intensely personal and it comes down to whatever it is in my life of a most personal nature it's part of myself that's part of what i value that's part of how i spend my money that's part of how i spend my time that what i get caught up in emotionally and get get twirling away in and trapped in that's there and my willingness to deny that to set that aside and put Jesus first. And the cross, what's the cross? Let me tell you what the cross is not. The cross is not necessarily having a flat tire on your way to work. Oh, it's my cross to bear. The cross is not the cross is not your mother-in-law. The cross is not whatever experience you might be having. The cross is painful and difficult uncomfortable things that we encounter as a result of seeking to do God's will in our life that's right, there's things that happen by just bad decisions that I make that are consequences that aren't necessarily the cross because if I would have listened and heeded God I wouldn't have necessarily had that experience in my life yeah, but true. there are things and this is where touchdown Jesus just doesn't fly and this is where Starbucks Jesus just doesn't fit. There are things that in seeking to do God's will are going to put me in harm's way. That are going to, that are going to put me in the proximity of some painful things and some uncomfortable things and some difficult things. And we could weave any of the things that we've already experienced together today. Like, there is a serving in Kingdom Kids and the classes that is joyful and you cry when you're not there. But there's also a serving in with the kids that you're feeling like, Do I gotta be here again? Do I gotta do this again? I can't believe it's my rotation. Is it is it, is it my time up? Ready again? And 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 there's there is a sacrifice. There is a letting go of my comfort and what I want to do that. That that's just part of it. Yeah. Amen. And and to be the kind of impacting group of people that Jesus intends for us to be in the world, we're gonna to need to get that. Yeah. That there is an aspect of serving that at least on the front end doesn't always feel good. Yeah. And then what's going on in Roland's life right now? Yeah. There is, uh, first of all, just the, the unknown and living with that. And the unknown of having prayed about something and prayed about something and what he has gotten back is silence and silence and silence. And, and that's part of our cross as disciples is, is trying to mix high and faithful expectations of who God is and what He's going to be in our life with our reality. And sometimes we we teeter on the brink of that, do I even have the mustard faith or not that we can all relate to Roland sharing. But what's going on there is us holding firmly to the truth and the promises and the expectations of what God can do in our life with the day-to-day reality that sometimes it isn't always experienced that way. Can we hold faithful? Can we be true to Him? Can we not turn our back on Him and not quit on Him in the midst of the long waiting? But then there's also putting ourselves out there with family members and on the front lines and going there and having the conversations with people as the pace of the relationship will allow us and as the openings will allow us and as the best possible setting them up to receive this conversation in the best possible way that we can but to have the conversations with them. Because in the end, who is Jesus? There's a lot that He is. And we'll, we'll spend the rest of our lives by diving into His teaching and by taking up the cross. We'll spend, we'll spend the rest of our, our, our lives learning about who He is. But we know this for sure. What can a person give in exchange for their soul? Jesus is the One who saves souls. Amen. And what He came to do and the the priest that He was and the prophet that He was and the king that He was and the battles that He would fight and victoriously win weren't against the Romans, but they were against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms and they were against sin and it was against darkness and it was against evil. And He won. And for us to put our faith in Him, and for us to confess Him as our Lord, and for us to repent of our sins and be baptized into Him. We have the opportunity for Him to be what He most wants to be, and that is the Savior of our souls. Let's get away sometime this summer. Let's encounter Jesus afresh in His teaching. And let's be willing to deny ourselves and take up our cross in whatever specific way is confronting us right now because in that, in that decision, we encounter Jesus. And let's, let's know Jesus and let's proclaim Jesus as the one who saves souls. Amen.